Hello everyone and welcome to Flawless. My name is Liam and I'm joined as usual by Grant. Hello there. Unfortunately George can't make it today but we are instead joined by Tim. Hello. Just before we get started I would like to let you know that during this episode we'll be talking about topics such as suicide. So if this is not the best topic for you to listen to today or any day I would encourage that you move through to another episode. And if you or someone you know needs support, please call Lifeline on 131114. Uh, each episode of Flawless uh, hosts or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless and we talk about why they love it, what they love about it and how they discovered it. Uh, just before we do get going as well, just want to let everybody know that we do have a Patreon page. That's uh, patreon.com slash flawlessamp. You can back us there from as little as $1 a month and there are also content bonuses at $5 and $10. So with all the housekeeping and stuff out of the way, uh, Tim, did you want to let us know what album you've nominated today? Uh, sure. I've nominated Midnight Organ Fight by Frightened Rabbit. A cripple walks amongst you all, you tired human beings. He's got all the things a cripple has, not to working arms and legs. And vital parts fall from his system and dissolve in Scottish rain. Vitally, he doesn't miss him, he's too fucked up to care. Was that you in front of me? Coming back for even more. So, Tim, a little bit of history from yourself, if you don't mind. That's, it, it, it strikes me as intriguing. That's another accent mm. um, that happens to be on this podcast. And, you know, it, it adds the flavor, I think, in the depth. <laughs> We're covering off all the Commonwealth yeah. countries. Now. Well, there yeah. we go. So, yeah. some background would be fantastic. Sure. And, and, um, and so, I am Canadian. Uh, I've been here almost 10 years now. Cool. Uh, I originally came over just on a working holiday visa. You know, I was coming up on 30 and uh, once you turn 31, you can't get it anymore. So I'm okay. like, well, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to go somewhere and have like an overseas adventure, mm-hmm. I should do it now. Uh, and I came down with a job where I could work remotely and stuff, and I just thought, oh, I'll do it, and then I'll go home. And I never went home. So came over here. I brought one guitar with me and a couple suitcases, and now I've kind of built a home studio for myself. Cool. Uh, so I can do a lot of multi-tracking and recording, mm-hmm. and I play a few different things, so that suits me well. But um, when I got the idea to do a Frightened Rabbit tribute show next month after seeing that they had done one in New York City. I wanted mm-hmm. to do a local one. I thought, oh, I gotta put a band together because my last band kind of had stagnated a bit. I was in a band called Ocean Leaves for mm-hmm. about, I don't know, four years or something. Uh, and that was the first time I'd really had a go of being in a proper band. I'm doing air quotes for people who can't <laughs> see me right now. Sure. Um, you know, most of the time I was pretty comfortable just recording at home. And when I lived in Toronto, I had a home studio there as well. Uh, me and my buddy Whitley, we wrote jingles for TV and radio commercials. Cool. Uh, and we worked by day in recording studio, so yeah. I'm really comfortable around recording gear and just audio stuff in general. So you play guitar mostly? Mainly guitar, but I play like a handful of other things. Well enough to record, but not well enough to perform. When you're recording, you can take 20 tries at something. Right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you mentioned uh, a gig coming up in support of Frightened Rabbit. Did you want to tell us some details around that? Sure. Um, so... In December of last year at Rough Trade in New York City, they did a, a tribute to Frightened Rabbit called Tiny Changes. It's taken from a line, one of the songs on the record we're going to talk about. And mm-hmm. it was like uh, Aaron Dessner from The National and uh, Ben from Death Cab for Cutie. Like well-known mm-hmm. musicians were coming up sure. on stage to, to do Frightened Rabbit songs. And it was really cool. You can watch the whole thing on YouTube. And they just released a download of the audio. Um, and I thought, why can't we do something like that locally? And it when I had that thought, it was about eight weeks ahead of the anniversary of Scott's death because yep. he took his life last year. And I thought, man, I, I think I can do it. You know, I'd, I'd organized gigs for my own band before, but there's just fundamentally way more to do with something sure. like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, let's do it. Let's do it for charity. So I reached out to the Black Dog Institute. They do a lot of work in the suicide prevention mm-hmm. space. 
And uh, they were really excited, sent me everything I needed to know, and I started cool. booking bands and found a venue. Uh, Black Bear Lodge in Brisbane is donating the space. Awesome. Uh, not taking any money from the door, so really any money we get on the night is going to go straight to Black Dog Institute. Everybody's donating their time. Um, That's amazing. That's so fantastic. I'm hoping we can raise like two, three, four grand, something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything will help. Yeah, definitely. What a great initiative. Really well done. Congratulations. Thanks, man. So what is the date and, and all? Oh, right. So Please, let's go. Let's so it's, it's, go coming, back. it's coming up. It's like a few weeks away. So yes. it's happening on Saturday, the 18th of May mm -hmm. at Black Bear Lodge, which is in Fortitude Valley. Uh, if you look for Tiny Changes BNE, you'll find the Facebook event and there's a link uh, for tickets there. But you can also search that on Eventbrite, which is like a ticket booking thing. Sure. Tickets mm -hmm. are 10 bucks. You can also pay at the door. It's 15 okay. I'm hoping it'll sell out, but I don't know how realistic that is. How big's uh, the venue? Venue can hold 250 people. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. pretty small. It is okay. small. Tight, yeah, nice it's like venue, upstairs really cozy. Yeah. kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. It's a really cool venue, though, and we've got six people, not six people, but six bands and or solo performers uh, performing on the night. So it's going to be, you know, doors at 7, music starts at 7.30 and probably go all the way to like 10.30 or 11 o'clock. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And any covers? Or you aren't declaring that just yet? Oh, so it's all Frightened Rabbit songs. Okay. With the exception of we also allow any side projects of Scott's. So he did a solo album under the name Owl John. Yes, I saw and that. he also, just a month before he died, um, him and his brother worked with the brothers from the band Editors, and they put out a side project called Master System, mm -hmm. which is this loud, chaotic, grungy affair. It's fantastic and noisy and very... I won't say it's incongruent with Frightened Rabbit, but it's mm. a very different very vibe. Different. Sure. Yeah. And it, for, um, for Scott, it was the only music he'd put out where he didn't play anything he only sang the music was written and recorded and mm. he just sang over top of it anyway so either has to be frightened rabbit or owl john or master system mm -hmm. nobody's playing their own songs on the night oh, yeah. okay. which is why it was hard to, to book bands to yeah. find people <laughs> sure. that, you know we're willing to to do that yeah, yeah. okay mm. so ideally we would vote for the next prime minister on the day and then go and yeah. celebrate Oh, is that that day? That's, it that's is a, that day. That, that is I'm not day, allowed yes. to vote, so uh, <laughs> I haven't done the citizenship thing yet. So sure. I'm just deaf to politics as much as I can. Oh, you're be. lucky. Mm. Very lucky. It's not that I don't care. It's that I get angry really fast and I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the Midnight Organ Fight is the second studio album by Scottish indie rock band Fright and Rabbit. Mm -hmm. It was recorded during 2007 between studios at Bridgeport, Connecticut, Connecticut and Glasgow, Scotland, and was released on the 14th of April 2008 through independent label Fat Cat Records. Yeah, it was produced by Peter Cadis. Mm -hmm. uh, he's done a lot with The National. Yep. He did uh, records with Interpol, uh, recently Gang of Youths, and he works out of his own home studio called Tarquin Studios, and he's uh, a very, very amazing mm -hmm. guy. I remember reading, it's not a quote, I'm sorry, but uh, I remember reading an interview with Scott where he said uh, Peter Cadis has a way of like producing a certain atmosphere within his recordings, like regardless of what the genre is. He just has like this special you know, gravitas yeah yeah and did you say 14th of april bro? yes that's an anniversary of my father's passing right which you've discussed in previous wow. um uh, previous episode of the matchbox 21 that's quite quite that was the 10 year anniversary 2008 right. okay so wow there we go okay so Some relevance there was this your first frightened rabbit album was this how you yeah discovered yeah, how? yeah. Album? so Talk to us about that yeah too. sure i was sure. living in toronto at the time because mm -hmm. i grew up in ontario and uh, I was working in a recording studio, and my friend Patrick was one of those guys who was just a voracious consumer of new music. He was mm -hmm. on all the music blogs. You know how at the time it was, yeah. you'd go to a music blog, and they'd have like one MP3 you could download. <laughs> so it wasn't like torrenting yeah. whole albums or whatever. Yeah. So you yeah. get these little singles piecemeal. And he would introduce me to all this stuff, and it was it was like a torrent, to use that word, yeah. of, of music <laughs> coming in. And I'd have to kind of pick the bits I like, because he listened to absolutely everything. But this band, Frightened Rabbit, just grabbed me from the first song I heard, mm -hmm. which was Modern Leper. Okay, cool. Um, mm -hmm. And I just, I got hooked in and I very quickly uh, got the album and was listening to it for the whole summer. So it came out in April. I think I heard it in May, maybe June. Sure. I listened to it through the whole summer because North America, that's summertime. And they came to Toronto in October. And I saw them and it just changed me from like a casual fan that was like, oh, these are great, you know, anthemic jams into like a rabid fanboy yeah yeah cool uh, it was amazing awesome yeah. great so grant had you ever heard of frightened rabbit before we told you this was the album to listen to i i had not 
um, which is not unusual yeah. for, the, for the less listeners that, <laughs> that really listen to the flaw, to the flawless um, podcast. So no, I hadn't at okay, all, cool. and um, just did a bit of research, I suppose, in listening, and, and um, I'm sure we'll get to to his tragic passing. But yeah, mm. it's um, it added a whole lot of um, I suppose melancholy for me to listen to the album mm. uh, on the backdrop of having never heard him, no longer here. Wow, like. I can fully it's understand heavy, that because you know? it's it's recontextualized a lot of the yeah, songs for me, sure. right? And it took me a while to be able to listen to him again at all. And then I could listen to most things, but not some songs. Yeah. Um, and it's to the point now where I can listen to any of the recorded, like officially studio recorded stuff. Mm-hmm. I have a huge treasure trove of live bootlegs of Frightened Rabbit. I can't listen to any of it. Yeah. It's just... His voice is like too naked, and I feel like I can hear the fragility when sure. it's a live recording. Sure. Studio polish kind of smooths all that out. Everything's compressed, and you know it's balanced just perfectly. But sometimes you get a live recording, and the vocals are so loud, and you can mm. hear every little wobble in his voice. And yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't do it yet. Yeah, yeah. Cool. okay. So no, my well, answer. Never heard of them before at all. Right. So this was actually, I was introduced to this band by a friend of mine. Hello, Vicky out there. If you're out there, she sent me um, Keep Yourself Warm. And I was like, you've got to listen to this. You're going to love this song. And I listened to it and I did love it. Um, I think it was one of the first songs I'd ever heard. That's good tune. And we'll come back around to this one. Yeah. But about um, where he uses the word fucking in such an invective way. But not just like I'm so fucking mad. Like exactly the verb is fucking. Mm. He mm. needs that word to make sense, and yeah. it's. But it's still like it's still that aggressive use of it as well. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> so then I listened to this album all the way through, and I loved it. And it's yeah, it's been one of my favorite albums for quite a while. And then I started following them. They didn't come to Australia for quite a while. They didn't tour for a little while after that. Mm. But sort of followed listening to their all their albums and that sort of thing. But I had a similar thing in that when he died. I couldn't listen to them anymore and I hadn't listened to them for a year and then you nominated the album and I thought okay this this is it this is I've got it now so this would be the bit where I come back into it and to be honest it probably isn't I don't I still can't so I've listened to it and I've mm. thought about it and I've taken all my notes and stuff but I still don't think I can make it part of my regular listening cycle it still hurts so this is the, this is the for me this is the first musician that was super meaningful to me mm. who's passed away mm. suicide or even just death this yeah. is the this is the first one, and so it's, did you it's, see them live? Yes, so I've seen them live probably three or four times now. So the first time I saw them was at Splendor in the Grass, which is a big outdoor festival here, sure. and they they tweeted when they were on the way here. It was like we just spent seventeen hours on a plane, and they came out and they played an amphitheater stage at like two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. So basically, everyone was still asleep. Everyone was still in the camping ground, still asleep. There was maybe like two hundred people there. Oh wow! And I was like, these guys aren't coming back. There's, right. there's no 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 promoter brings out a band for that to, to play in an amphitheater at two o'clock in the afternoon to two hundred people from mm. internationally. So I thought, sure. no, I'm really glad I saw them because they're not coming back. This is right. it for them. Mm. But then their next couple of albums kept doing quite well here in Australia. So they started playing on the next album. They did come out and play house shows, and mm. they were sold out. So we flew down to Melbourne for those and saw those a couple of times, and they were selling out shows. So it was. It was good they turned that around and they did get popular enough live as a live band to keep coming out, which was really great. Mm. I'm kicking myself for not seeing them any of the times they came to Australia while mm. I've been here. I saw them in Toronto and then I didn't again. Right. Thinking, oh, I'll do it next time. Oh, I don't have enough money. Yeah, whatever. You true. always think there's going to be time, right? Um, it was the same with Elliot Smith. You said this was your first singer who you know mm-hmm. died or committed suicide. So for me, like I was a, I still am like a massive Elliot Smith fan. So yeah. when he killed himself, it was like told my dad it was like my John Lennon you know mm. when John Lennon died mm. it was so huge for my dad yeah and it was the same for me with that uh, and I thought oh I'll, I'll see him next tour or whatever yeah. and you never know when that's going to happen you just can't do it anymore mm. so did you see them once yeah or a couple of wow eh? but I saw them touring this record sure mm. and like that I'm so glad I did you know yeah. mm. I wish I'd seen I would have if I knew then what I know now I would have yeah. flown overseas for like they did 10th anniversary shows of this record mm-hmm. where they oh, played cool. the, the whole record. Nice. And I yeah. really would have loved to see that. But, mm. um, I, yeah, I saw them when I saw them, and I, I'll talk later about my foolish words I said to Scott after the show. So I, I had my moment. You know. So you met oh, the you man. Met him? Mm. You, you can tell us now. Briefly. That's cool. Yeah, sure. Oh, please. Um, so I, I was <laughs> – I don't drink anymore, <laughs> but uh, I, was, I was a big drinker at, at the time. Uh, I saw them a few days before my birthday in the the autumn of 2008 in in October. They played with uh, an American band called the Spinto Band. 
it was a really good show, but I had a few too many beers during the show, and I just decided when I saw them loading out into their van, they're, you know, still carrying their own gear at that yes, time. Yeah. Saw them loading out into, like, a U-Haul. Oh, I'm going to go talk to them. And uh, I'm pretty sure I made an ass of myself. I was standing <laughs> there with my friend Patrick, and I said something like, oh, what a brilliant record. Thank you. These songs were my summer jams, you know? <laughs> and Scott was great. Like, he thanked me, but he looked at me kind of quizzically. Like, yeah. he wasn't sure. And afterwards, Patrick said something like, you know, he probably looked puzzled because songs of, like, heartbreak and self-loathing <laughs> aren't most people's idea of fun summer sure. anthems. But Scott was gracious and patient. You know, he stopped what he was doing and he talked to us until we were ready to say goodbye. Oh, cool. He didn't seem rushed or anything. He was yeah. really, really nice. So I wish I had said different things, but like, <laughs> what can you do? Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad he tortured himself on a record so that you can drive around like the hood down and yeah. like blasting out the stereo and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a little awkward. But you still met him. So I did. I geez. did. I got to meet him and, you know, in later years... Uh, when I started playing shows uh, just by myself, I would cover like uh, Backwards Walk and nice. Modern Leper. And, yeah, wow. Because, yeah, you know, it just works its way into your heart and you get curious and you want to figure it out on guitar mm -hmm. and stuff. So, yeah, I've, I've lived these songs that whole time. It's a, yeah. it's a record I've never got sick of. I probably spun it once a week, once a fortnight nice. for the entire 11 years and never tired of a single moment on the record. So why this album then? Of the four, is it? Oh. Five. Five. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't count EPs, it's five. Yeah. yeah. Why this one? Um, I think it's, there's something, okay, so first just talking about Frightened Rabbit, there's something sure. inherently charming about someone who sings with their regional dialect so proudly on their sleeve, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. Scott sounds Scottish when he sings, yeah. right? Like, when the Beatles sang, you couldn't hear that they're from Liverpool, right? Sure. So, you can hear his Scottish accent as he sings. And I can't think of many bands that do that really, really well. Mm. Uh, Twilight Sad is another Scottish band that sound really Scottish, but most people don't. Most people, there's some like homogenization that happens yes. when people start singing and stretching out their vowel sounds. Um, so yeah, that was not the case with Scott. Uh, I find it so endearing, like just the way he pronounces and he uses like some Scottish words in there and names Scottish places. And mm -hmm. in the songs where he sings quickly, I have to like look up the lyrics because yeah. I just can't <laughs> yeah, even sure. figure out what he's saying, right? Also like at the risk of, of saying anything bad about Frightened Rabbit, like the usually I, I fall in for stuff that's got really interesting guitar work. Like Elliot Smith, it was the intricate finger picking. I'm a huge fan of the National. They have really atypical mm. approach to guitar playing. Mm -hmm. Frightened Rabbit is like, it's straight ahead like pop rock yeah. for a lot of it. They're just strumming the chords and complexity comes in how they layer the different parts together because sometimes they would play and they'd have three guitarists on stage, right? Um, but it's Scott's voice. That's the hook for me. It has this like pleading urgency. Mm. And with how open and honest he is with his lyrical content, uh, it's it's totally enamoring. Uh, like when he belts out, he's almost yelping, you know, mm. like there's 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 no there's no pretension at mm -hmm. all. You know, it's not like he's trying to put on an air or a character. It's just this yeah, man like singing his absolute guts out and mm. it's unadorned. Mm. It's raw and powerful. A lot of other indie rock bands, especially from that era, right? You get into a studio. Oh, what are we going to do? We're going to pitch correct. We're going to layer your voice to make you sound better than you are. Or we're going to do a million takes or whatever it is. Like, yeah, there's harmonies there and there's some layers. But mostly it's just his voice so raw that you can hear every creak and croak and they, they leave it in. I just, mm. I, I, I fell in love with their music like right away. And usually my favorite bands are ones that take me a while to get into. But mm. it was very immediate with these guys. Cool. And so for this album, um, I feel like they did more. Um, I feel like later they did more polished and produced records, and that which is going to happen. I yeah, those that's going to happen. That's what success does. That's what major label funding does, mm. and that's that's fine. And I love those records too. But there's just something so perfect about this one. The album before Sings of Grays, like that. It's it's so low budget it's yeah, hard for me to listen to sometimes like it's super super yeah. rough and grant is a powerhouse of a drummer and that does not come across in the recordings at mm -hmm. all and then uh the one that came after the winter of mixed drinks out of all the the major records that's like my least favorite interesting um and then when the one after that came out um pedestrian verse i was like hooked right back in like mm -hmm. rabbit and i was 
So when Winter Remix Drinks came out, there's like maybe four songs on there that I really liked. And I would kind of skip over everything else. Sure. So I kept going back to Midnight Organ Fight. And it just, to if it had been a, a super strong record for mm. me after, I'm not saying it was a bad record, but like if it had been equally good, I don't know that Midnight Organ Fight would occupy the same space in my heart that it does sure. now. I've just lived with it for so long. So were you in a, I mean, you said it was, you know, you, you, so you meet Scott and it was mm. it resonated so much with you. Were you going through some challenges at the time with a breakup or anything? Because I was in like the pre-breakup stage, right? Oh, and you didn't know. No. So like when, well, I knew. Here we go. I, I, I knew. I, like in my heart, I knew, but like not sure. consciously, right? But yes. there was something resonating talking. there, right? So I lived in Toronto. I had a fiance. We had a house oh. and a business together and a car and like all the stuff, oh, right? Dog almost and a white picket and fence. No kids, thankfully, but sure. like. It was well on its way, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it was just looking back, like having context for it, it was like a horribly um, poisonous sort of relationship. Like it was, we were just very, very bad for each other in general. And my drinking was way off the rails and I was just not coping with life well at all. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when we started packing up our life to come to Australia together, that's when it broke apart. Right. So at that point, I'd been listening to Frightened Rabbit for nearly a year. Mm -hmm. And that going through that huge breakup and separation of assets and yes, just sure. even friends, you know, like mm, everything yes. gets pulled apart. Um, I'm aware. It recontextualized <laughs> yeah. so much of that record for me. Like yeah. instead of just being into the emotion and the music and everything, yes. I started delving way more into lyrics because I'm yes. like a lyrics last sort of listener with okay. music. Being a musician, I'm listening to the guitar first. Being an audio recording engineer, like I'm listening to the production and the mm -hmm. mixing and like I pull everything apart. I will learn every note of the vocal melody before I ever pay attention to what the words, to what are. The words are. If I'm singing along, I'm like singing the, the vowel sounds, like not even as words. And my wife will be like, you think that's what they're saying? I'm like I don't, not paying attention. <laughs> I don't sure. Yeah. <laughs> but going through a huge breakup, we had to sell the house and all this stuff, right? Like it it just became so much deeper for me. So much more relevant. Oh, yeah. There we go. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, no worries. That's awesome. Mm. I mean, I'm pretty about the breakup, but <laughs> yeah. things are worked no, out. You're married no, no. now. and A breakup you know. is always a good thing. Like, you should never say sorry when someone's like, oh, we broke up. Like, no, you know, this, I'm, so stealing, did you I'm stealing someone your... else's bit right now. No, not but no all. good relationship ends in a breakup, sure. right? You should always be like, awesome, life will <laughs> yeah. get better now. Did you migrate with your ex, fiance? No, 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 no. She stayed there. Okay. That was like four or five months before we were set to move over here. Sure. But we owned a house and like yeah. it, it was going to be a long road. You know, you got to put yeah. the house on the market and blah, blah, blah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I came over and uh, I, I started on the Sunshine Coast. Mm-hmm. I had some family there, like my dad's sister moved over here, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, almost 20 years ago now. And I was staying there and my wife found me online and just like my, my current wife wow. and just wrote to me. was like, hey, what do you think of Australia? And we started talking and then I had a reason to stay in Australia. We nice. She was also based in Sunshine Coast? No, no. She was down in New South Wales in the Blue Mountains. So we did the long distance thing for like As one does. almost a year. Yeah, sure. yeah. Back and forth, like once a month and... And then uh, it was like, well, guess what? My working holiday <laughs> visa is up. So either you're coming to Canada or we find a way for me to stay here. And mm. we got married. And shortly after that, a couple kids and, you know, nice. the whole domestic situation now. But uh, Australia was supposed to be a lark. And, uh, I've, I've, and what a lark it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've spread the, the Frightened Rabbit love while I've been down here. I've introduced a lot of people to that band. Uh, this is like a criminally underrated band in my mind, you know, mm. like there's such a solid body of work. And I think there's, um, there's something about a certain type of person doesn't want to listen to a sad song or a song they perceive to be a sad song. Right. Yeah. And then a different type of person finds joy in that sadness. So sure. like, one of the reasons I wanted to do the the mental health benefit uh, next month is that I suffer from depression. I suffer from anxiety. I'm bipolar and I've got PTSD as well. So like mm -hmm. I've got this whole host of things that I have to, to deal with. Right. And mm -hmm. I was reading a, a bit of research the other day that popped up in like the popular news. And it was saying that people who uh, deal with depression or, or any kind of serious mental health issues, sad songs don't make them feel sad mm. it actually gives you joy mm. and it's, it's a sense of identification there right so um i think it takes a certain type of person to to want to get into it and it's the same with the national you've got like all these sad 
themes explored but like yeah. i feel so much joy like such an uplift when i hear that Euphoric. So, yeah yeah so all my favorite stuff is sad music elliot smith the national frightened rabbit granddaddy to some extent these are mm. bands that like you know people listen to it your average person they go oh, i don't want to listen to that that's mopey or whatever but for me it's everything mm. yeah it's yeah. cool. awesome so there was, thank you for sharing yeah yeah thank you very much there were three singles released off the album which i only found out about despite knowing this album quite well i was like oh mm. okay three singles so i'm like uh, keep yourself warm my backwards walk and modern leper that's what i'm thinking mm-hmm. and nope none of those it was head rolls off fast blood and i feel better and the twist is like a double a side Mm. So I would not have picked any no. of those songs as a single. They're such weird singles. Yeah, me songs either. I think those are the, very weird. Yeah. So either like the label didn't do a good job pushing yeah. which songs should be the singles, or singles, or the the band chose themselves. Because as as a musician, you never know what your good no, songs are. Somebody right. has to yeah. tell you. Yeah. Because you get attached to something that's totally irrelevant to how someone's gonna enjoy the song, right? Mm. You're like, yeah, but my guitar bit does this. And like, <laughs> no, nobody cares no, about no, that. Right? Your guitar. Yeah, I, I was surprised. Modern Leper, absolutely. Mm. And um, Keep Yourself Warm is like the ultimate sing-along yeah. song. And, like, and that's yeah. the song they finished with when they played Splendor in the Grass. was like, this is our big single. This mm-hmm. is one we know you all know. I'm like, no, it's not a single. No, like, it's just... <laughs> yeah, I was reading, it's like, that's such a weird set of songs to release as singles. Yeah. yeah. So that is very weird. none of them did anything. But I think with the exception of like that little interlude that's in there, I think any of those songs could have been a single. Like they're yeah, all yeah. really, they really strong. They all stand up individually. Yeah, you don't need songs. to hear them as part of the album. Although mm. now I've heard this album so much that when I hear the end of one song, I just expect the start the next. of the next song. So mm. if it doesn't come that way, well, I'm like, yeah, that's that doesn't sound right. So yeah, I'm yeah. expecting that flow on to go all mm. the way through. But you know how most albums were is like a thematic connection, not necessarily mm-hmm. like a concept record, but yeah. you know, conceptually you could call this a breakup album. Yeah. Right? yeah, sure. A lot of those albums, you've got a bunch of songs that unless I'm listening all the way through, it doesn't work so much as a standalone. Whereas I feel like this album is special in the sense that any of these songs can stand alone quite well mm. if you put them on a mixtape or something. Yeah. Or playlist yeah. these days. So one of those, Sorry, kids. Yeah, what's a mixtape? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's that interesting balance between, yeah, standing alone but also being part of the whole as well. Like it's mm-hmm. songs that are thematically connected and flow through. Yeah. But yeah, it, the album itself didn't do a lot of chart work or anything mm-hmm. like that, but mm-hmm. it was hailed as like, even at the time, as like one of the best albums of the year and has been since then as like Huge one of the best critical albums of all success. Time. Yeah. So, not a commercial success. No. So like yeah. your pitchfork, your billboard, your. Um, AV Club, all those sorts of guys are all like, yeah, top 10 best breakup albums of all time, best yep. albums of all time. Wow. That's right up there. Yeah. But it just never, it didn't, yeah, didn't, which I guess it doesn't really have the, I mean, like a big hooky single or anything like that to break mm. through. Like even, like Keep Yourself Warm probably would have got some people's attention, but yeah, mm. not, not like a big guitar hooker anywhere to be seen. That's true. So did you have some favorite songs you wanted to talk about? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, I just want to say overall, if somebody is unfamiliar, I mean, you're probably going to be cutting in the audio from the songs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if somebody's unfamiliar, it's definitely like a guitar-heavy record. And yep. when I saw them play, um, they had three guitarists on stage, and the two people who are not Scott, which was Gordon Skeen and Billy Kennedy, they would sometimes switch to something else, like a bass for one song mm-hmm. or a, a keyboard for one song. But a lot of the time, it was like a wall of guitars. Not the thickest wall, because they were playing Telecasters, which are a little <laughs> bit twangy, but like... Still, like a serious wall of sound. And then you didn't even notice that there was no bass guitar for most of it because Mm. you would know this having seen them. Like their drummer, Grant, who's Scott's brother, um, just absolutely abuses those drums. Like he hits them so hard. Just that kick drum and his toms, they occupy all the frequency space that a bass guitar normally would. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking he was going to put a stick through the skin. Like I was worried for his drums. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time he's playing something simple or something that looks deceptively simple, like just a kick and a snare. But like it just absolutely kills. It's amazing. And it's one of those ones where um, like they're a folk band that you're not supposed to have a drummer who wails on stuff. You're supposed to have lots of brushes and lots of soft stuff. Mm -hmm. But no, he's... Like That's he is it. driving he that goes, forward and he yeah. like carries them, just carries that momentum all the way through. Yeah. Mm. And there's some songs where he gets busy with his playing, but most of the, like he leaves a lot of space. He should mm-hmm. be uh, a well-known drummer, I think, for what he chooses not to play. Yeah. You know, like he, he shows so much restraint in his playing. 
And it, like I said, it'll sound really simple, but if you actually pay attention or you're a drummer that's trying to play along with the song, you'll be like, oh, that's not at all what I would yeah. do there. <laughs> like the fills are in weird places and the snare patterns get strange. Um, he's he's really good. Uh, the only th- if, if I had a single criticism of the entire record, it's that I didn't realize that about the drumming until I saw them live. Yeah. Right? Like listening to the record, you don't get the sense that he's hitting harder than yeah. your average drummer. Um, that's the only thing that didn't translate. The drums sound really, really good. Mm, and Peter Cadis yeah. is a fantastic engineer for recording drums. Like, listen to The National. Mm. All their drum stuff sounds incredible. Mm. Um, but I had to see them live, and then it kind of recontextualized all the songs for me, and I could kind of hear the power that was in yeah. there. Because they're, yeah. they're not high in the mix or anything like that on the live thing. So no. I, I reckon it's one of those things where it is different to the live show. Like, they mm. sort of said, don't worry about it for the studio. We'll just, you know, we'll level it out and make it work. But for yeah. live, you can just go nuts and... Yeah, wow on it, and so. he does. Yeah. Like, I swear he was using those double-ended sticks that didn't have don't have yeah. the little <laughs> nylon tips on them because it's just unbelievable. Um, all right, so do you want to start with Modern Leper? Yeah, Talk yeah. Talk about that. We'll go yeah. begin from the from the beginning. Start to start. Yeah. Um, so I had, I had already started learning this on guitar before I ever even paid attention to the words. Like I said, mm-hmm. I was you know I knew the melody really well and mm-hmm. I kind of knew the words to the chorus, but I hadn't really got my head around the story. Um, but it's funny to me. I think only Scott could call someone a masochist and call himself a leper yeah. and make it sound charming and yeah. lovey. It's like it's a really great love song, kinda. And the way it ends, <laughs> like you, you can just tell me how your day went. Come in and tell me how your day went. Like it's just it's this tortured masochist leper. Yeah. I'm mm. falling apart. You're falling apart. We're awful for each other. It's all terrible. Mm. But actually, we're kind of great for each other. And yeah. just tell me how your day was. Yeah, and he's oh like, we'll start again, right? It's yeah. like the first hint at a relationship that's over, but he's not quite ready to let it go yeah. yet. Um, he's like, you must be a masochist to want me, a masochist to want me. And then at the same time, he's saying, well, let's just start again. You know, you tell me all about what you did today. Which seems like such a normal domestic sort of thing, like, oh, hi, honey, I'm home. And she's like, how was your day? And they, they talk about it, except he's lying on the ground, sick and blind and limbless. <laughs> and it still sounds sweet. How does yeah. he do that? There's a bunch of moments on this record where I'm like, how do you say that and it doesn't sound lecherous? Or how do you say that and it doesn't sound, you know, really dark? He's just got this way. I think it's the Scottish humor. It's like yeah. twisting everything into a, a wink and a nod, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, I'll pop a video up on the Facebook page, but I don't know if you saw um, the day after he died, uh, Frank Turner played Modern Leper live as a, like a memorial thing. Mm-hmm. And it is the single most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen on stage because wow. Frank Turner basically has a breakdown over the course of the song because his, like they were really good friends. Mm-hmm. They played this song a bunch of times live. If you look on YouTube, there's a bunch of times where the two of them played with a, a lute guy doing the extra little bits on there yeah. and just... Like, yeah, one of his best friends is taking his own life and this is a song that he always attributes to him and there's bits in it where he's like, I'm not dead, I'm choosing and he knows and it's just, he just has a breakdown on stage. Yeah, where he's I, like, I'm ill but I'm not dead and yeah. I don't know which of those I prefer. Yeah. 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 And he just, it's just hard. So it's just him and a guitar. So it's, he's kind of like a folk punk sort of guy yep. and he just, it just breaks down on stage. So I haven't watched really, it. People have talked about it. I I'm, I frequent the the subreddit for Frightened Rabbit fans. Mm-hmm. Right? Um and people have talked about that clip and talked about Frank Turner, you know, honoring Frightened Rabbit at a bunch of shows these days. Yeah. But so I think I saw I a few other ones and one. like obviously over time it's become easier for him. But that was like day after. It's the rawest thing and he's just like, he does. I, it's amazing that he gets through the song and there are points where he has to stop singing mm. and step away from the mic just for half a second to gather himself back together and go, no, I've got to barrel through it. This is for Scott. But mm. yeah, so I'll pop it up on the Facebook page, but... I'll put a little warning on it. It's pretty heartbreaking stuff. It is. Sure. I think as a like a, a set of lyrics on paper mm-hmm. out of the whole record, I, I like these words the yeah. best. And I, w- I would play this in coffee shops. And you're you're fighting people who are having conversation and on their laptops and listening to music or whatever. And there, this song would more than anyone like make people look up from their laptops or their phones because just the words he uses are not words you often 
hear yeah. in an acoustic sort of mm. song like mm. this, right? He had a way of using these unlikely metaphors to kind of hook you in and, and make you lean in and listen and be like, wait a minute, what's he talking about? A modern leper, you know? Vital parts yeah. fall from his system and dissolve in Scottish rain. What's he getting on about? And yeah. it's just, it is great. Like lyrically, I, I really, really love this one. Mm. Uh, Grant, did you have any songs that grabbed your attention? Look, it was it was an awesome album. I think mm -hmm. to be honest, quite honest, from start to finish. Title version hadn't heard of them before, um, <clears throat> and um, if anything, credit to the album for being able to move someone didn't know anything about it. I became more melancholic, I suppose, having read about his tragic passing. But it's not. A, I don't think it's a happy album. It's no. a great album. Mm -hmm. Juice. It's really. I mean. I've written down lyrics all over the shop around <laughs> that, that, that resonated with me. I think yeah. Moving on, I feel better. The, the last line is, this is the last song I write about you. I'm like, jeez, <laughs> <laughs> man. Oh, yeah. You are like that. Um, that and, 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 it, and they're listed. I mean, um, you know. But that, that line, that's a musician breakup line. That's the like. Mm. When you're a musician and you're dating someone, it's like you write all your songs yeah, about them. It's like, no, no, yeah. so this is it. This, that, as a musician, this is me breaking up with you. That's yeah. the musician's version of waking up with a hangover and saying, I'm never drinking again. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny that that song leads into good arms versus bad arms, right? Because the very next song is yes. talking about yeah. his arms versus the new arms of the person who's now yeah. dating her, yeah. right? Good arms versus bad arms or when hands down, down. They are built to hold on fit, look how far they go round. You don't need these now that you've found another pair. And the difference is standing, I should expect, except. So it, it lasts for all of like yeah. two seconds. Yeah. yeah. And here we go again. Yeah. It reminded me there's a real big fish song. I can't remember. It's one of their albums, but he's like, this is going to be the last time you hear me complain is the mm. line. And it's like, that's not true. Like your entire, your entire career is based on you about like, that's what scar music is complaining about stuff. It was like, mm. it's like, this is it. This is the last time you'll hear me. He's like, no, that's, mm. that's, and then yeah, in this case, it just falls apart really, yeah. really quickly. Afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Straight away. And I, I do like that lyrical device in good arms versus bad arms of like, like I've never heard anybody phrase something that way. Like I'm compare my arms that hold you with the new arms that are holding mm. you and one is good and one is bad. And he's, this is again, going back to what I was saying where he can say things and it doesn't come off the way it would if anyone else said it. Yeah. Right. So he's saying really angry things. Like I want to kill him essentially talking about bludgeoning this new guy with a brick, right? Yeah. He's saying, don't make me do this. But his voice sounds all fragile and yeah. sweet and defeated. So it doesn't sound macho mm. or angry. Like, no, there's no toxic masculinity on any no. Frightened Rabbit songs at all, right? It reads more like he's saying to his ex, like, oh, take care of yourself out there. You know, like, oh, mm. don't brush with him. He might have diseases. Yes. Uh, he's, he's, he cares about her still, but he knows that he's probably not getting her back yeah. yeah he's always felt like it's he's the the only true anger he feels is for himself like mm. if people don't like him or if partners don't like him or if things don't work out that feels he's like yeah that's that's right that's that's a logical thing for things to happen because i'm terrible so the only thing he's angry mm. at is himself mm. and if everyone else is doesn't like him or whatever he's just like yeah that that makes sense which is kind of yeah depressing and upsetting but yeah, yeah. his self-deprecation was not a, a put on no character no. or anything like he really yeah. struggled with why anybody mm. would would like him which yeah. is super sad in the end yeah mm, correct um i mean other ones that i, I thought old old-fashioned was just fantastic oh, yeah the, really... the luddite love song yeah <laughs> um yeah heads roll off I, I thought what jesus is just a spanish boy's name what an what? amazing opening line yeah. right? <laughs> like, what yeah and then and and yeah, just to start with something like that, um, you know, and, and poke, I think, to open oh, with. Man. Poke at my iris, why can't I cry about this? Maybe there is something that you know that I don't. And I love, yeah. I love the way that that song ends, like the final six or seven lines where he's talking about, you know, if somebody saw a picture of us now, they need to be told 
that we were a couple, yes. basically, mm. right? And he had this way of writing about things that were very, very personal to him without really changing anything from what I've heard, but still make it a moment that's so relatable. Because you know when a relationship is ending or has ended and the physical space between you and that person is now so increased, right? In every interaction when you're dividing your stuff or whatever, there's now this huge buffer. And you can totally picture in your head what it would be like if you are now taking a picture. You'd be like just barely able to reach your arm to their yeah. shoulder, right? We've probably all yeah. got a, a photo of that relationship that mm. was dying or was dead. Yeah. So I think it's just so much relevance, I think, to, to life and, the, and a breakup across the board. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, everything's super relatable. Yeah. Uh, I do really like old, old-fashioned. I feel like it's the odd duck on this record. Like, it doesn't sound like anything yeah. else sonically on that record. Sure. But I love the whole like folksy foot stomp thing. it's killing us we never speak about the television right mm. um i feel like this is another reason it's the odd duck is it talks to an earlier part of the relationship before the decline so most of what we're dealing with on this record is either during or before the the separation mm. right sorry during or after the separation mm -hmm. and this one is more like this domestic thing he's talking about like oh we should watch less television so we we connect more you know yeah. we, we never speak sort of thing and this record came out less than a year after the first iPhone was released. But now you could totally replace TV with phone. Like yeah. everybody is just busy scrolling Instagram at night or whatever and not paying attention to the, the people around them. And I know I'm guilty of this as well. I have to force myself to go on social media hiatuses. Otherwise, like it just sucks up so much of my, my free time. Um, so I called this a, a Luddite love song before. Yeah. That's cheesy, but it's it's true. It's This song is like anti-technology, and it's mm -hmm. romanticizing the past, which is something we all do. Um, you know, tr thinking that maybe ignoring each other was not something people did before they had distractions. But come on, like, no, still there. there's always a reason, right? Correct. And you're, you're walking before the washing machine existed. It took you 10 times longer to do the laundry, so you just ignore your family by doing laundry yeah. instead or whatever. Escapism <laughs> in whatever form. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other thing Even about... Running marathons, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about Poke is the couple of times I saw them play house shows, he played it solo acoustic, so the rest of the mm. band leaves the stage and he just plays it. And the crowd obviously just like loves it and sings sure. along and then does the harmonizing bit for him. Oh, the ooh. Which is, yeah, yeah, the ooh, ooh stuff. Mm, yeah. It's just so beautiful. And like the first time I could, I hadn't listened to the albums before I went and saw them. I was like, oh, I don't really remember this song. But then when like that ooh, ooh hits, it's like, oh my God. Like yeah. just a whole room of people just attuned. And this is his thing is like he's, he basically deconstructs himself on stage every time he goes up there and plays all these songs, yeah. which would be really awful, except here's 500 people who are all like... No, sharing. We love it. Yeah. We love yeah. you we for love it. it. Like it's that... He, you have to have that balance so of like... Yeah. true to yourself. Because yeah. that, that song cool. starts and ends just like like a noisy organ and a mm. gentle picked acoustic guitar. Yeah. But in the middle, like it gets so... It might be one of the most layered songs on the record with all the, the vocal layers and mm. the the drumming that comes in and the guitars. They just keep piling on and piling on. Yeah. And it's like fat in the middle and skinny at both ends. I yeah. love that about that song. But it totally works mm. when it's just him and a guitar as yeah. well. I think any of his songs. You can go on YouTube, type in Frightened Rabbit, and there will be so many instances of them picking up, popping up on like Triple J or any other radio station, okay. just doing like a stripped down version of yeah. the songs. And mm -hmm. all the songs work in stripped down mm -hmm. form. It's incredible. Yeah. And I think, was it, they did it, was there an album that they released of him doing solo versions of songs or something? Am I making that up or am I, something I forgot? It, if it exists, I, I don't know about it. Okay. I'm not there saying it something, doesn't exist. Yeah, I'll have to no. go and have a look. I'm sure I've got an album or it might be a live album or something where it was just literally him playing all the songs solo acoustic. He's definitely like, performed solo acoustic yeah. a bunch of times and done like full sets and that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think most of the 
the non-album releases were like uh, EPs or his yeah. side project mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Cool. Um, I also love My Backwards Walk. Just like the the slow like the slow burn build up into it, and yeah. I mean, which, which they do on a few songs is like they don't they don't often hit the but, ground running straight nah, away. But, but just usually like there's the, a chorus. Yeah, right? yeah. This is like six verses and an end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it works so well. Yeah, this is another one I would do in the cafe. Yeah, and I would see people start to like tilt their head, like oh he's talking about a relationship that he's still you know not ready to leave. Like they would identify with it, and then it would get to the end where he sings. You're the shit, and I'm yeah. deep in it, right? <laughs> Which is like such a vulgar thing. It's such like a sweet song about trying to separate yourself from someone with a bad view. Mm. You know, you need to get away from them and walk out, but like either the sex is good, so you can't do it, or you're just scared to not have any human intimacy and you can't do it, or you're maybe one of those people who needs to line up their next relationship before they leave the current one. And by the way, Fuck those people. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be that person, right? But uh, yeah, the, it's just such a gross thing. I, I've always even found that slang of like, yeah, man, you're the shit. Like, that's really gross. And I yeah. don't know if that's because Canadians <laughs> are easily grossed out. Like, to the point where you don't say, where's the toilet? If you're asking where it is, you need to say the room. You call it the restroom or the bathroom because saying right. toilet is way it's too unbecoming. gross. You might think I'm talking about poop. I can't say toilet. <laughs> That's where poop goes. So we never say the word in polite company. Right. So like hearing like you're the shit and I'm knee deep in it. <laughs> and I would see the people who had been like, oh, like just oh, go back to their phone. Because <laughs> <laughs> that one's also got the line and the time rewinds to the end of May. I wish we'd never met then met today. Yeah. So that's not a, it's, it's a, it's a, I want to get you out of my mind. The backwards walk is I want to undo what we did. Yes. Yeah. But not so that I'd never meet you. Not to get, not to, I, not that I wish I'd cut you out of my memory altogether. I still mm. want to know you. Yeah. I just wish I could start again now and it, maybe from memory, remember all the stuff that I did wrong. So maybe this time it'll work out better. I just yeah, love like that a, idea of like, there's lots of songs about, I wish I could forget you. I wish I'd never met you, blah, blah, blah. But this is like, I wish I could undo what we did, but also I still really like you. He wants a reset switch. It's it's like, it's almost like the end of Modern Leper where he says, we'll start again. Yeah. Right? Just let's try again. Mm. Yeah. Let's get it right this time. Yeah. My favorite line of that song is in uh, one of the verses where uh, he says, my trousers seem to love your floor. And I'm working (laughs) hard on walking out. Shoes keep sticking to the ground. My clothes won't let me close the door because the trousers seem to love your floor. Uh, That's so eloquent. I love that. (laughs) It's such a charming way to talk about what's ultimately like a very toxic relationship. Yeah, it's, it's still self-deprecating though. Like it's not mm. that I actually want to be here. It's just that I can't stop having sex with you. Yeah. That's that's that's, that's the shorter thing. Mm. And you know, like uh, going back a song before that with uh, the twist, he's saying, you know, you can whisper the wrong name. Like I don't care, nor do my ears. Like he, he just wants... He wants the act. Yeah. He doesn't care if she needs to picture somebody else mm. or call out a different name. And I think he's kind of hinting at the fact that he just wants he wants the human heat. He says, I yeah. need yeah. I need Intimacy. human heat, right? It's not about not her. Even. It's about the act. Because there's not a single line in the twist that is saying, I want you. Yeah. I want you, this specific person. It's just like, oh, we're both fucked up, so let's do this. And we can turn out the lights and you say the wrong name and it's all good. Yeah. He's like, does not have very high opinion of himself and doesn't expect anyone else to either. Yeah. Which kind of ties into keep yourself warm as well. Because mm. when he yes. says... Someone you don't 
So that was the first song I heard, and I was like, oh, okay. So he's... You started with the most vulgar song. In yeah, the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Country Mom. Yeah. So he, so the first time I heard I'm like, okay, he's, he's got nice guy syndrome. He's looking at a girl who's just having casual sex with people and going, that's not an emotional connection. You're never going to... They're not going to keep you warm. I'm the guy that keeps you warm. I'm going to be the mm. one. And then you put it into the album and you actually read it, and he's like, no, no, he's singing to himself. He's talking to himself. You, Absolutely. You, mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not going to find... He's saying, saying to himself, you're mm. not going to find any support and hope and emotional connection to yeah. just anybody if you just have it's sex the bathroom mirror pep talk of, yeah. don't do that thing that you're totally just gonna yeah. <laughs> do you know he's trying to talk himself out of going out to clubs and bars and just looking for a, a quick fuck like a quick fix for the melancholy yeah. that he's feeling right and i don't know how he does this again he's talking about like i'll get my hole and he's saying it takes more than fucking someone to keep yourself warm he talks about taking pills and he says, if we both got the same diseases, it's irrelevant, you know? <laughs> but still, somehow, it sounds charming. Like, yeah. how the hell does he do that? Like, I don't I don't know. He, you can almost hear him smirking yeah. when he sings the lines. I right? think the organ does a lot of that. Like, it makes it nice. Like, it makes mm. like the organ does a lot of work making that song a lot nicer than it would be if it was like a dirty electric guitar that he was yeah, sort of scrolling true. over. Mm. That's absolutely true. Um, this is a song though that I need to skip over when my kids are around. Yeah, it's not one fair. you want them singing. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking with a guy. I found one guy at work that liked Frightened Rabbit like a month before he quit. But he was talking about he was listening to uh, uh, Painting of a Panic Attack. Yeah, and he's got like a little daughter, and she was singing w- along to the chorus of "Woke Up Hurting," and it's like. You know, I woke up with dirty knees and not for the first time I... And he's like a three-year-old should not be singing that, right? So, so yeah, skip button for that yeah. one. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, so um, the band, I assumed they hadn't done anything since uh, he passed away, but they actually played a show um, hmm. in August 2018. They played at Sleep in the Park Festival. So um james graham from twilight sad simon neal from bliffy cryo and uh Catherine joseph all did guest vocals on some songs which i think would have been, that would have been amazing. amazing i can't Absolutely. imagine it's, it's too sustainable for them i can't imagine they'll do that that often or do any new material they'll probably go no. off and do separate things from here but um no, i can't imagine and i i don't think um the last side project master system i don't mm-hmm. imagine that would go forward without yeah. him either because they haven't I looked at their Facebook just the other day. They have not posted like a single thing yeah. really in forever. Um, how could you? You know, how yeah. could you go on? It was so that? him. The band is him. It's his songs. Absolutely. It's his vocal. It's his stories. It's yeah. his everything. If it was somebody else and the same, you know, life ending thing happened, but they had just written more generically or not about things that were so close to their heart or, you know, people take stories out of literature or whatever. People find mm. inspiration everywhere. If it yeah. wasn't someone singing, like, about themselves in mm-hmm. that way, like, from the soul, then maybe you could think about another singer. But in this case, I just don't think it makes sense, really. The only thing I can imagine is if they do the same four guys get another lead singer, they would just become a different band. And everyone would mm. just know them as yeah the something like, who i x right now you need it yeah, yeah you would need, need a new, new name. voice and like use. doing Correct. i'm not you saying they shouldn't play music together because obviously no, no, they yeah. spent so many years together but like i think it would need a new name mm. to be respectful absolutely yeah. yeah yeah and um so the only other thing i had was a death cab for cutie who put out an album last year thank you for today and it was dedicated to the memory of scott yeah i noticed so that ben's a real big fan and we talked about him before mm. doing some vocals on the songs and stuff as well so yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. definitely, like a lot of bands know them and hold them in very high esteem, even if they never really got a lot of popular attention. Mm. Did you have anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap up? Oh, we go back to Fast Blood for a second. I just want to say, fucking great drum beat. That's like my favorite drum beat on the whole record. You know, I was saying before, Grant shows a lot of restraint or whatever, but he really goes crazy and he actually like uses the hi-hats, which a lot of the time he's just playing kick and snare. Yeah. Um, the guitars are really just straightforward strumming, but it doesn't sound 
boring or or middle of the road at all because of that drumbeat that's just killer and pushing it through. And like we said before, Peter Cadis like really knows how to make drums sound punchy. And mm. it starts with uh, that line. Um, What's the second line? He says, let's get paralyzed down both sides, right? So I was like big scotch drinker and beer drinker at the time. So I would say that like with a drink in my hand, in the air, singing along. And I didn't notice at first because of the accent thing. But the line it's preceded with says, good night, it's stroke time. So when he says, let's get paralyzed down both sides, it's in the context of a stroke, (laughs) which is further continuing Scott's use of illnesses as metaphors. Yeah. I just never put it. I always thought the paralyzed thing was getting like, you know, paralytic drunk kind Mm. of thing. Um, And obviously that song is uh, the namesake of the album. So I thought that was worth calling out as well. Mm. Um, The song, it just makes me think of absolutely losing yourself in drunken sex. And pretty much every instrument in that rec- on the, in that song are playing at full volume, right? Which is apt for that kind of wild abandon. Like you could say that Frightened Rabbit are folk rock or whatever, but on mm-hmm. that song, they're purely uh, a rock band. Yeah, and it you're just losing themselves in it. Scott's just belting it out, and it makes sense. It just that one would not translate well, I think, into yeah. like a stripped down acoustic sure. version because yeah. you've got to just belt that one out. Yeah, mm. cool. Grant, any final thoughts? Um, we haven't touched on already. No, well, look, we're not rating this one from that from that um, perspective that we normally do, but I would say that it is mm-hmm. um, in and of itself. It was it was an, an amazing listen, um, and um, yeah, it's tragic that he was so sad in the end that he needed to exit um, the way he did. Um, and I'm you know I'm, I'm richer for listening to it, and I would listen to it. I'll listen to it again and I'll get um, – I'm a, a Frightened Rabbit fan, I suppose, now, and I'll <laughs> listen to the other albums and I'll get um, my missus to listen to this as well. So mm. um, thank you, Tim, for it and no for taking the initiative, I think, to um, do what you're doing on the 18th. Yeah. I mean, you need to give that another punt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So give so, another plug for the gig. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited for this because it's really coming together. The idea was just to get a bunch of local bands together to play Frightened Rabbit songs or any of Scott's songs. And that everybody would be donating their time. Um, we have all kinds of people who have come on board. Uh, you know, we have like videographer and photographers that are there. We have a lighting technician, this guy Daniel. He was Frightened Rabbit's lighting tech the last time they toured in wow, Australia. Cool. Awesome. So he's coming to do that. Um, and because you know nobody is expecting any money, that means every dollar we make goes right to the Black Dog Institute. Mm-hmm. We've done a, a crowdfunding campaign leading up to the show because the one thing we couldn't get for free was uh, radio ads on yep. local radio. Mm-hmm. So we've crowdfunded for that, but we've raised way more than we need, so all the extra will go into that. So we're hoping to raise a few thousand dollars, and um, I'm really excited. We have six great bands, well, five great bands in my band. <laughs> I'm not saying we're not great, but we, uh, we pretty much just put a band together for this show. So Tired Human Beings is uh, my band with three of my friends. We also have Flora Link, Chief Weapons, Dirty Hearts, Cameron Milford, and Aiden Bradley. And Chief Weapons, they're a really awesome local duo. It's just drums and guitar. He does a lot of looping. He's got like a pedal board in front of him, like the size of Mm. a coffin kind of thing, like so many pedals. But they don't have a singer. Um, But I know the guitarist, Brad, and I said, well, if you want, I'll get up and, and sing, and if it needs a second guitar, I can do that, so... We're going to do a few Frightened Rabbit songs, and we're doing a couple Master System covers too, cool. which I'm really excited about because uh, I didn't listen to that record before Scott was gone, mm. Master System, but I've listened to it a lot since he's been gone. And they're really, really great songs. Cool. So we want to make sure uh, they get in there as well. You can get tickets online. Um, go to blackbearlodge.com, and they'll have a link to uh, Eventbrite, I think it is, where you get the tickets. So advanced tickets are 10 bucks or 15 at the door. And it's on Saturday, May 18th at the Black Bear Lodge in Fortitude Valley, Brisbane. Cool. So, yeah, please, everybody, check that out and uh, help out where you can. We want to thank everybody for listening. We have a Facebook, a Twitter, and an Instagram page, and they're all uh, Flawless AMP and all of those. So check those out. Uh, Give us a rating. Give us some feedback. Anything that you can do to help us find more music lovers like you is appreciated. And as I said before, we've got a Patreon as well. So patreon.com slash flawless amp other than that uh, thank you very much tim for coming in and sharing your thoughts and feelings on this it's been really great thank you and uh thank you everybody and we'll see you next time